What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Rogue Opinions. My name is Nathan, and I'm well on his end, very reluctantly joined by Scott. Uh, Scott, do, do I need to ask how you are? Fuck you, young bucks. Yeah, Fuck yours you. went. You, yours went down to the wire. You and your stupid Meltzer driver and fucking I'm Team Lucha Brothers all the way. <laughs> yeah, I love Pentagon Junior. But um, yeah, we're, we're here, we're sat here. Um, it's raining outside and it's just sort of depressing. We, we both lost our predictions. You lost quite, you, you were at least close. I lost by the time the first match ended. <laughs> so. Yeah, like, I definitely thought that main event of Fight for Long could have went either way. You're the you're the one who made the stupid decision of betting on Shane and Drew against Taker and Rome. Well, my thinking was I kept seeing on Twitter and on like um, stuff that they were doing Drew v Taker. So I kind of thought, well, what better way to set that up than have Drew pin Taker? Fair enough, but uh, and uh, yeah, so that was my thinking behind that one. The pre-show match that I lost, I lost through sheer um, kindness. <laughs> And but I did get Bailey right. Yeah. Oh, this that but like, like that wasn't the worst one I made. Like I chose SCU against Lucha Brothers. No one found well Lucha Brothers were probably going to win, but just the way me and Carl had a prediction set up, if I hadn't went in a different direction from him in this match, we probably there's a chance we could have tied. And I wanted to avoid a tie as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're both just making excuses at this point. I bet on Shane McMahon in a tag match against the big dog and mm. a dead and a literal dead man. I mean, I like the idea of like the prediction thing that we did. I hope we do more things like this, but in terms, of, punishments, I, yeah. I, in terms of punishment, I don't know how we can get any lower than this. Yeah, we're, we're going to do more of these prediction things. Um, I won't reveal it now, but Jimmy had a really like, good idea for a punishment that he uh, messaged me the other day, but I'll keep that secret for now because we're already not feeling too good about ourselves. Um, <laughs> we we lost, so we're here to cover December to Dismember 2006, the final ECW pay-per-view if you go on the network, but I don't think it should really be given that branding of being ECW. Um, yeah. I, pff, talk about spitting on a legacy. <laughs> <laughs> Good God. Uh, it, I have I forgot to write down the date, but it took place December, uh, 3rd. December 3rd. And I'll, I'll start off with one of my many facts about this show as to why it is the worst bought pay-per-view in well, in the pre-network era, the worst bought pay-per-view in WWE history with 90,000 buys or there or thereabouts. And, and it took place, I wonder why, seven Days after Survivor Series. And two weeks before Armageddon. Yep. And they charged $40. To oh. trying, to, trying to milk wrestling fans. No wonder it got 90,000 buys. I actually watched this at the time, but it was free on Sky Sports, so thankfully I did not have to waste any money on this shit heap. $40. Seven days after like people would have had for the big four hardcore wrestling fans if they've got a lot of friends around and tend to have like pay-per-view parties that's not a unknown thing mm. like i do them sometimes uh with some friends and stuff so you can 
split the cost, but forty dollars. That's whoever you are. That's quite. Well, it's not a lot of money to some people, but that's a that's a chunk to spend on. I mean, like I, you know, what I watched it at the time on Sky Sports. I forgot pretty much a lot of what happened. I knew there was a chamber, and I knew Kevin Thorne popped up at some point, and there's something with the Sandman. But other than that, I pretty much forgot all of this. I must have repressed it in my memory. It was that bad. Yeah, I've seen it before, but let's jump straight in. It's at the James Brown Arena in Augusta, Georgia. Um, the show opens with Styles saying some kind of sports reference and then say, but tonight Georgia will be infamous for December to dismember. And yes, Jesus was. Christ. I don't know what else he has said in his commentary career, but I don't know if he's ever going to have been so bang on in his life. I think he said something about the golf, the Open. Because uh, I know the, the golf event is at Augusta. I know, because, you know, because Georgia, you know, the heartland of ECW, you know, but at least they didn't do this in somewhere like Philadelphia because the crowd would have just probably burned the building down. You do think that. You do think, oh, why didn't they do it in Philadelphia? Oh, okay, this is why they didn't do it in Philadelphia. <laughs> Have you seen the tagline for this show? Um, no. Well, the poster is just a chimney with Chris and Sandman's hand sticking out with a candlestick. And just the tagline, you better watch out. <laughs> you better not watch. Jesus. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, so, um, nice things about, about this show. with Jerry Styles and Taz on commentary. Um, well, that's always nice. I really like Taz. I, me and Jimmy said in the... Um, in the what the hell is that show called? Not Stomping Grounds, Extreme Rules. <laughs> that uh, that we miss Taz when Undertaker comes out. Yeah, not Undertaker, Brock Lesnar, because he always used to go. Here comes the pain. Well, I guess they like not they already split hairs here, but I love how you're carrying this as a positive. I thought these two were atrocious on this show. As a I don't team. think they. I don't think they could. I. They reached a point about halfway through the show. I made a note of it where they just started trying to pop each other. Because I think yeah. during the... Um, um, well, let's get the first match out of the way. Um, the high point of the show, Eminem, uh, Joey Mercury, Johnny Nitro, or John Morrison, or Johnny Impact, or Johnny Mundo, however you know him, and Melina. Well, Melina wasn't in the match, but she was managing them against the Hardy Boys, Matt and Jeff. Those ECW um, originals. Yep. Four people who aren't on the ECW roster, or five people if you count Molina, um, not ECW superstars in any way, but the story basically, one of them had an open challenge. Because the other thing to add for this show, $40 a week after Survivor Series, before this show aired, they advertised two matches. They advertised this and the main event, nothing else. Yeah, was confirmed. And um, but interesting notes: Jeff Hardy does not age. He <laughs> could. He looks exactly the same <laughs> as he does to this very day. Eminem um, had some real nice jackets. They had little digital screens <laughs> in them. Uh, Molina's entrance. I don't need to say anything else about that. <laughs> yeah. And what was the other thing I wrote there? I couldn't tell for about five minutes if Jeff Hardy's shirt was blurred out or if it was just a really weird print, and I confirmed it was just a really weird print. He probably did think to himself while he was on something. 
because if you've seen the most detail, he probably designs it himself. And yeah, probably. Um, this was a fantastic match. This genuinely was a fantastic match. I thought it was a really good tag match. You got two teams that work really well together. Obviously, Matt and Jeff, we know, and I think I kind of forgot how good. I know how good um, John Morrison, Johnny Mund- whatever you know him as, Johnny Wrestler is, but um, I can't say Johnny Wrestling, can I? That's Johnny Gargano. Johnny, Johnny, insert surname here. Let's call him uh, Johnny Five Star. Uh, (laughs) um, But Joey Mercury, excellent, excellent. uh, Really, really good back and forth match. Uh, As I said to you off the record, it kind of uh, reminded me of like the way takeovers open at the moment, which is generally the tag title match. Because I thought this was just as good Mm -hmm. as a lot of them. What did you think? Uh, Before I talk about the match, which I say. I looked up the James Brown Arena. Apparently, the capacity is like nine thousand. And oh, I've got, sorry, I've, I've got the attendance. Have you got it? Yeah, I've got it too. Like, yeah. like occasionally, just for like a basketball game or something like that, it's like six thousand, like seven thousand for a hockey game. So, occasionally, you have to adjust it. Uh, for this show, they had 4,800 4, people, and they were clearly all crammed into the hard cam side of the arena. Oh, when we get about halfway through the show, did you start to notice how many seats had been emptied? Yeah, not really like, bad. Oh, that was a lot. I was, I was kind of like, I just reached a point where I was really bored, so I started looking for what signs and stuff I could see, and um, and then I started noticing. I was like, man, there's a lot of empty seats on the hard cam side. But people were, it seemed like they were either going to the bar to just get as pissed up as possible, or I don't know what they're left. doing. But by the time the chamber comes around, there was a lot of empty seats. <laughs> there was a weird scene that kept appearing on the hard cam in the early portion of the show. Just said Joey Sales is my homeboy. Yeah, that's one I wrote down <laughs> in the show. I noticed that. Uh, I didn't notice many um, other scenes, but there was that. <laughs> yeah, there was a, there was some weird ones, but um, the match. I mean, uh, what, did, what did you make of the match? The match itself, I, I really enjoyed it when. It was one of only two matches that goes uh, longer than 10 minutes. It's been like 22 minutes, and I really enjoyed it. The crowd were really into a lot of spots, like Jet did a dive off uh, the barricades that people were really into. Uh, you had Eminem doing like some of the hardest like, tag moves, like trying to copy poetry in motion and all that. I thought that was really good. Uh, I don't know if you know the story, but like, they put the whole thing out on Dowie.com where Hardy's put an open challenge. And did you see who tried to answer it? Uh, no, I didn't notice that. Uh, apparently VKM, or Vidokin Mafia, the TNA tag team of Road Dog and Jesse <laughs> Road Dog and <laughs> Billy Gunn tried to answer the open challenge because they were trying to do this whole thing where they would shoot on WWE, which was just sad. Like They kept making comments on Triple H and Shawn Michaels like, over into Levesque and Hickenbottom and Asking them to meet them at the Alamo at high noon and all that shit. Oh, I've heard sad. about that because Billy Gunn did a with uh, an interview with Chris Van Vliet, who's obviously he's pretty high profile at the moment in the rest yeah. of the world because he's getting all the scoops. But um, yeah. and he said about oh, did he has he ever spoken to Triple H? And he said yeah, he, he's apologised to him. So that must have been where that came from because I had no idea about the comments he'd ever made. Yeah, um, about Triple H because I was watching that ages ago whenever it was I was thinking well man why would you like you guys always seem like such good friends but that's obviously where it's come from 
Well, one thing I didn't like about this match is Melina just wouldn't stop screaming. Yeah, but that was her thing. Yeah. Um, I did write that. <laughs> My favourite thing, and I always used to see this on... People do the gif of this all the time, but when Melina does the head scissors to Matt, yeah. and you're just like, well, I don't reckon Matt minded. <laughs> like... <laughs> Well, if you if you believe the stories, he wasn't the first person on the roster to be in that position. Really, <laughs> yeah. When there's a point where um, uh, one of the one of them and one of Mercury or Nitro are beating down Matt, and then his head pops over the apron after a <laughs> choke. Then Melina just jumps up, wraps her legs around his face for a head scissors, and I don't know. I don't know if that was an offense or even the commentators. Taz and Joey were like, I don't know if that was offense or not. <laughs> I mean, the crowd clearly weren't not in Melina because they kept chatting, she's a crack whore. <laughs> to which Melina responded to them after she like she got a cheap shot on like Matt or Jeff, one of the two, and she turned to the crowd, basically giving the finger and like, huh? It's like, so she did not appreciate. So Alexa Bliss and Naomi thought the crowd reaction to them was bad on this week's Raw. I mean, at least they didn't call you a crack whore. Yeah, that is a bit. There's a bit much, mm-hmm. um, but, and the crowd—they still had the crowd at this point. The crowd were really into this. Um, the ending came where uh, Mercury and Nitro were going to go for the snapshot from the top of the from the top rope. Yes, yeah. super snapshot. Which I don't know how they were going to do it because they didn't look like they knew how they were going to do it. <laughs> yeah. And then Matt interrupted them, uh, beat them down, hit a double twist of fate. Um, off the middle rope, uh, piled them on top of each other, and Jeff Hardy with a brutal-looking swanton. I felt really sorry for Joey Mercury because he landed hard on Joey Mercury's back, who was on top of Johnny Nitro. Because mm-hmm. Jeff and Johnny were legal, and Jeff got the pin for a damn good match. Yeah, really good. I mean, these four, these four guys, they're never going to be able to have a bad match uh, between them. Yeah, the saving grace of the show, but what I did laugh at was the way the commentary was trying to hype up, like, we don't know if we'll ever see him oh, these, yeah. two, these two face off again. Well, first off, they faced, they were part two or four teams in a ladder match at Armageddon two weeks later, the same match where Mercury's oh, nose basically yeah, exploded. Nice. Uh, and then the two teams would have another match at the Royal Rumble. <laughs> yeah, I remember that, because for some reason on the um, Inside the Ropes community... I went for a spell of just watching retro mm-hmm. smackdowns <laughs> and that and that was like on the last smackdown of um because the final one or two i can't remember i just highlight shows so yeah. the final smackdown of 2006 was just joey mercury cutting that promo with so many stitches in his head <laughs> after armageddon and just blaming the hardies <laughs> but, but if i could do uh... Go back to a comparison I made. I, I knew this would be at least like we'd get some good stuff out of this match, and it was a great match. Like, if you were curious about watching this show, just watch the opener and nothing else. Because I said a tweet out last night, make the best comparison I could. Uh, this opening dad match was like admiring the view from the top of a tall cliff, and then the rest of the card is if someone snuck up behind you and pushed you off that cliff. <laughs> yeah, I'm Because I haven't watched it all yet, because I watched. I watched uh, the opener this morning because I forgot how long it was. So mm-hmm. I had like 40 minutes before I needed to leave and then the match finished and I was like, okay, I don't really have time to watch anything <laughs> else. Um, 
I'm glad it got all that time. I thought just um, one cool spot. I don't know why it's stuck in my mind, but the double slingshot on Jeff, and then he just scrambles up the ropes for to hit the whisper in the wind. Yeah, that was cool. That was really cool, and um, and Jeff's always great for that. But really, really, really good opener and the best match of the night. I think we can both agree. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't argue that. I mean, you, you compare it to a takeover like opener, like it's the only comparison you can make to this show in a takeover. Yeah, I mean, this match wouldn't have been out of place opening a takeover. It was certainly good enough. Um, they then they started doing promos for the Extreme Elimination Chamber. I thought the RVD one was crap. <laughs> Like, I'm not gonna. He was never a great promo guy, but it was just him. Like it looked like he was just reading off of like cardboard. Someone had in front of him he was just going, "I am going to win. I will sacrifice myself." Also, at no point during the show, during the main event, during anything, did they ever mention that RVD has been in elimination chambers before. Yeah, I thought that was weird. <laughs> yeah, like they didn't. They never brought it up because he was obviously he was in the first ever one. Because mm-hmm. he nearly killed Triple H, <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally nearly killed Triple H. He like, tore Triple H's throat or something. But um, and then I can't remember if he was in others before this, but he's been in at least one before, and they never mention it. I know. And also, they try to make it like try to give you its own feel. It's not a W.com, It's just an ECW.com. Yeah, I know it's that as well. It's when they used to always have webs like. The big wrestlers would have their own websites for some reason, yeah. which were they didn't have their own websites. Um, they had branches off of WWE.com and they would just hide the addresses. Because, <laughs> um, but that's what they would do. And yeah, I know. So it was like ECW.com. Oh, weird. Um, Matt Stryker comes out wearing a very nice pink jumper. Um, yeah, they come to jump all over him for wearing pink. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know, like, I forget that when you go back to 2006, how long ago it was, but they were not having any of the pink. And I was like, so many guys wear pink now. Especially, especially not in ECW, you don't wear pink, apparently, if you're a guy. You know, one thing I will say before we get into the match, Matt Stryker would have had a perfect gimmick for um, original ECW. Yeah. Like, he would have been, I know Foley did the no violence gimmick in ECW and got super over and this is kind of of the same ilk. And to be fair to Matt Stryker, he's actually really good at it. Like he's he's a really good talker. Like when he went into commentary, and I know he did some commentary for um uh, before they were what were they before to find WCPW? Yeah, uh, over here and he's um, yeah Lucha Underground as well. And uh, he's really he's a really good talker. He actually cuts a really good promo. And he the trouble is, I want to say that people got good heat. But I don't know if it's piped in after editing. <laughs> so, because there was a lot of cheering and booing, especially for Matt Stryker. But I was just like, I'm reluctant to say it was real. <laughs> like, he, he he got a good like promo. Like, I obviously thought this was kind of a kind of a Drew like promo when he would play his old PowerPoint, no moves off yeah. the top rope. That's where I got from this. I thought it was actually a lot better promo than I thought. And also, when he announced the name of his opponent. Balls Mahoney. Not only did he like, like squirm at having to say the word balls, but the way the crowd yeah. did it wasn't as if, oh, yeah, we like that guy. As if, a, oh, that guy's competing because they didn't know who else was on the show. Because again, like you said, they didn't announce any other matches. Yeah, they didn't announce it. I mean, they do flash the factions of the crowd, and they are genuinely shouting EC double balls 
they cut cut to the crowd. So that was obviously a real real reaction because we got to see them actually doing it. But um, yeah, I, this genuine to be like this was a really good promo because he started off by saying this match will be extreme rules. Yeah, and he completely sucked everyone in. And then he obviously via extreme enforcement of the rules. <laughs> and it's just like no hair pulling, no moves or sorry, no foul language. Yeah, but when you point <laughs> but as you said, this is a perfect gimmick for ECW, but more so the original zero because they weren't allowed to do that much in this version either. So then you're now taking even more away from them. I don't them. know I don't know if they because P G didn't come until two thousand and eight. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, it was two thousand and eight because I remember Edge talking about how him and Taker at SummerSlam was the first Hell in a Cell where they weren't allowed to blade, mm-hmm. and um, so yeah, they, they still they were still TV fourteen, so they could have done more. But I've, I've remember, got I've got. I when sorry, I remember when they they were going to bring it back. Shane McMahon said they should do it as a dot com exclusive show. Yeah, I remember that. As they well. were online; they could have gotten away with more. So basically, it's like what. All lot of major companies have now basically a streaming service. Yeah, I like um, they can't bring it back now because it's been too long, mm-hmm. and no one would trust them. But like that would have been really cool at the time, and it would have been revolutionary at the time to do a dot com. The only issue, I think, I'm trying to flash back to 2006, and obviously, I don't know what it's like in America, but I don't think our internet was that great in 2006. Mm-hmm. I don't know if. I don't know if I would have been able to stream something that was live in <laughs> yeah. 2006. Yeah, I don't know. Not. I don't know, but that's not. I can't remember, so that's not a question for now. But yeah, he he says extreme enforcement of the rules. The crowd then obviously begin to boo, and he basically lists a load of rules. It's going to be a Matt Strikers rules match, and Bulls Mahoney is the perfect opponent for that on a pay per view titled under ECW. So what do they do? <laughs> They just have a wrestling match <laughs> for seven minutes or eight minutes. They do make a point on commentary that Bulls Mahoney is a legitimate good amateur wrestler, which mm-hmm. he does show in this match. But you're just like, why not do this on TV? Yeah. Why not do this on TV? And then um, like, I, I don't know if they invented it at this point, but they could have. Bulls Mahoney is known for the chair shot. Why not make they could have invented this would have been a perfect place for a chairs match. If there's ever been one, Baron Corbin and Kalisto didn't need a fucking chairs match. Hey, I think be, Balls Mahoney be, did. <laughs> to be fair, I think the best chairs one of the few good chairs matches ever there's ever been is actually Baron Corbin v Kalisto, to be fair. Oh yeah, but, it was a good match, but they don't there's nothing about their characters and their personas that encapsulate a chairs match. I'm just remembering when Kalisto did his entrance and he didn't notice all the chairs around the ring mm-hmm. and he opened up the apron looking for chairs and there were none there because someone had put them all out and they were right fucking behind him. What a fucking idiot. But that guy's you... blocked he he's blocked me on Twitter. As he... And I never tweet and I uh, know I did I tweeted him once when he botched his entrance and I just tweeted him um, I tagged him in the tweet and then tagged Kenny McIntosh and said, mm-hmm. I hope you were watching the pre-show, Kenny. <laughs> and that's all I wrote. And then Kalisto blocked me. <laughs> I, I weirdly, it's weird that I'm actually annoyed by the fact that I'm not blocked by anyone. Like, Oh, cause... I'm blocked by, um, this one's a weird one because I literally never tweeted them. Mm-hmm. But it's because I followed um, 
what culture and Ross. So yeah. JBLs blocked me on Twitter. But then I uploaded it to, um, I can't remember where, I think it must have been, it wouldn't have been what culture, I think Cultaholics Facebook group one time, because that's when I noticed. Um, and then loads of people replying and saying, yeah, he was just blocking anyone that followed what culture. <laughs> because King, because King Ross at the time kept doing the John O'Clock shtick. Yeah, I mean, people get seem to get blocked for weird reasons. I remember my brother; it was back in like 2015. He said a tweet. Uh, it was Baron Saxton and uh, King on commentary, and my brother. The tweet said, "I know Jerry Lawrence Lord lost it, but he, he looks like he used to do it back in the 90s compared to Baron Saxton or something of that ilk." So basically, yeah. it's like you're slagging Baron Saxon because I think Baron's gone better, but he wasn't that good then. But then he wasn't. Next time he goes on Twitter, he finds out he's been blocked by Jerry Lawler. Oh my god, that's weird. When he when he's uh, when he didn't even ta- I don't think he even tagged Jerry Lawler in the tweet like you said uh, Jerry Lawler. Yeah, and some then, people vanity search, and I find that really weird when you see on Twitter like celebrities replying to people who haven't actually tagged them, but they've just written their name out. I'm yeah. like, don't you have something to do? <laughs> like, like, why are you vanity searching yourself? Mm. Oh, we're really, uh, but yeah, Bulls, Bulls, and Matt Striker just have a wrestling match. It's mostly about Matt Striker working over Bulls' arm, mm-hmm. and then Bulls Mahoney wins with. Oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's whatever Titus O'Neil's finisher is. It's like an yeah. avalanche spine buster or a lifting spine. It's the same thing. D'Lo Brown. Yeah, yeah. low down like. Yeah, yeah, and um, oh yeah, Matt Stryker had his own face put <laughs> on it on the arse of his tights, and Joey Styles says, this is the first time I noticed Taz and Joey stopped taking this seriously, because Taz just lost it. Joey <laughs> Styles says, you've got to wonder, you've got to wonder about a man who wants to sit on his own face. Which I thought was a brilliant line. Um, just no, no chairs. Uh, where no chairs, no weapons, nothing, and you get Bulls Mahoney out. It just makes me think of it when uh, James Drake on X UK, he has his own face on his ass, and people chant, he's got his own face on his ass um, all the time. And like, what I loved about this is he hits the spine buster like, out of nowhere, and the match just ends. Yeah, it's they lost the crowd. But the crowd he- were gone. But then he hits, he hits it, and the first couple of people you cut to are Chan ECW, and I'm like, yeah, because that's what ECW is known for, spine busters. I think a lot of the fans, because you could see quite a few people in the heart, because they had the hard cam quite zoomed in, and I think they had it quite zoomed in because there were so many empty seats. Mm-hmm. Because obviously, as you said, the capacity is 9,000, and they had 4,800. Mm-hmm. Um so you could see a lot of the fans were getting up and cheering because obviously it's Bulls Mahoney. They've come here to see ECW and he's an ECW guy. But yeah. They lose them very, very quickly after this. Um, it's exactly this point. Exactly. They, uh, we get to see CM Punk backstage. He's over like Rover. Uh, CM Punk <laughs> yeah. chant breaks out. And then we flash back to literally... I googled this in hope that i would find out he was injured or something that legitimately couldn't compete and i can't find anything so i have no reason to believe sabu could not have been in the main event and we see him laid out backstage someone has attacked him paul Heyman comes out and we basically see them 
putting a neck brace on Sabu. Sabu's non-responsive, as one of the fake EMTs repeatedly says. Yeah. Like he's on, like he's getting paid by the word. He says, "Oh, he's not responsive." I'm like, "He's not responsive. He might be dead." I'm like, why do you keep saying that? Put him in a fucking recovery position, man. <laughs> like, why do you keep telling us he's not responding? And um, yeah, Sabu's laid out. Paul Heyman's just going. He's meant to be my main event. Uh, we flash back to the crowd who are now chanting bullshit. Yep. You can immediately hear, as soon as they cut back, even though the commentators are talking, you can still hear the bullshit chants. Yeah, and even Taz makes reference to it. He says, um, you can hear what people think of this. <laughs> Which I thought was very true. Uh, I've heard, uh, sorry, I've heard conflicting things about this. Like, I've heard somebody say, like, he had a bad attitude, had a bad attitude, like, backstage, but, like, if you were to compete in WWE's ECW, you'd have a bad attitude as well. And apparently, Vince, he was a face, and Vince wanted a clear three face, three heels in this chamber. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. But yeah. up next is Elijah Burke and Sylvester Turkai. Two good performers, can't criticise them. Uh, They're going to be, they cut a promo beforehand to deafening silence. As Elijah says, tonight we're going to get the Elijah experience. Um, I mean, the guy is damn good. He was really good in TNA as uh, the Pope Mm -hmm. um, under gimmicks. I've got no problem with him, but you're you're advertising it as... See, this is the same year they had ECW One Night Stand months before, so yeah, that's people, what people had a, people had expectations of what this show was going to be. It's not like if this was two thousand and nine and they put the show on, it had been three years since One Night Stand two thousand six. But guys, go back and watch One Night Stand two thousand six. That's what people were expecting because mm-hmm. on that show we had Edge and Mick Foley against uh, Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer. Yeah. That ended with Edge pinning a woman by humping her. <laughs> like, that's what people were expecting. And um, it was that. Yeah, that was it. He speared for, was it Beulah? Yeah, but that was that was Edge's gimmick at the time. He was humping other yeah. girlfriends. Yeah, but, and then we get to the next ECW pay-per-view. And we've got Elijah, we've got Elijah Burke and Sylvester Turkai. Uh, against the FBI, FBI genuine ECW's originals, uh, Little Guido or Nunzio, if you know him better as that, and Tommy Mameluke, who is a damn good wrestler in his own right. And they they have a good match, but like, you can't fault the work, but it's just, uh, it feels like a TV match. It, just, it, was, it wasn't bad, mm-hmm. uh, but the crowd were gone. There's still no weapons. Not a single weapon shot has happened yet in this entire pay-per-view. And, yeah, and they have to watch the ECW's originals kind of get half-squashed. I mean, what did you make of it? Well, first of all, all I just promo, the one line I took away from it is, it's like an animal in heat, we will leave our mark. Like, okay, that's a weird choice of words to use. But honestly, by this point in the show, I was I was fancy making a better show with who they had on the roster. Like they they put Steve Richards in a dark match against fucking Rene Dufresne. He's an ECW original, uh, 
Stevie Richards, and he was on the show. Like you had Simon Dean, who's been over in the BWO, having the day two in a tag match of some sort would have been cool. I think like you had Super Crazy on the roster still. Him and Little Guido in a match kind of did go back to their matches. They're like three dances they used to have with Tajiri back in the days of ECW. Yeah. Um, I mean, Elijah and Turkai won with Turkai hit a muscle buster on Nunzio, or Little Guido, sorry. The TNA uh, chance. Yeah, there was a TNA chance because obviously Samoa Joe. Mm-hmm. But, um, the crowd were completely good. There was no reaction. They didn't even edit in a reaction. Which makes me think they just didn't touch this pay-per-view. They just uploaded it and went, fucking have it. Probably. <laughs> so, like, everybody already knows it's bad, so I don't think they would bother. But, like, it just goes to show how much I don't want to talk about this. But this is just a random tangent, but I mentioned Rene Dupree there. Did I mention I've seen him actually wrestle live this year? Yeah, he's still, I know he, he does a lot of stuff in Japan, doesn't he? Yeah, but I've seen him in Kilmarnock for <laughs> British Championship Wrestling. He lost to a wrestler called uh, David Blaze, and uh, I only went to that show because the main event was uh, Pac v Jody Fly versus BT Gun, which was oh, a st- was that good? It that was been amazing. Yeah, it was a stellar match. I got a take get a boy with Pac during the break. I got to hold the Dragon Gate uh, Freedom Gate belt. It's heavy as hell, and I remember looking at the poster. It took me a couple looks at the poster before I looked at it and realised that that Rene Dupree. Because he looks totally different to how he used to look in the in the WWE. He can't be that old. Well, no, but because like, he was only like because remember he he'd won the tag titles and he was only like nineteen or something. Remember when he first came up and he was just jacked to the gills. Mm-hmm. Like uh, seems like his hair was a lot longer and he had more tattoos. I think that's why I don't recognize him. Yeah, I know he does a lot of stuff in Japan um, for the smaller promotions, but I mean the guys talented as hell yeah he just got lumbered with a load of crap because remember he was tagging with no offense to the guy but kenzo suzuki do you remember that <laughs> back in 2004 yeah they won the titles yeah yeah and i mean he was i remember reading about him and they had really high hopes for him <laughs> and then he just came over and apparently people backstage just weren't when they watched him do some dark match they were like okay this wasn't the guy we were expecting kind of thing um uh, yeah, I remember when he came over and he, they had that weird moment where, who was the, who I don't know if it was really his wife or not, but who was the female manager he had with him? Oh, I know who you're talking about. I cannot remember her name for that life. Because they did that thing where she basically, she was in like, she there was this good where one of the women, I don't know if it was Tori Wilson, but that springs to mind, ripped her like kimono off. And she was just wearing a t- load of lingerie afterwards, and then she ran backstage. And I was just watching that, thinking, "Why was she wearing it?" <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's the most WWE thing I've ever seen. You rip someone's clothes off, and it just happens they're wearing sexy underwear. <laughs> it's like, oh, I can't remember her name. I can't be asked to Google it either. Um, Another match I thought of, like. We have uh, Bob Holly on the show. I thought, like, the whole thing with Turkey is he's meant to be built as this, like, unstoppable, like, tough guy. Like, they mentioned he's got an MMA and, like, kickboxing background. Like, if you had, like, an open challenge kind of thing where Elijah comes in, like, who's tough enough to fight this guy? And then you bring up Bob Holly and, like, you have 10 minutes of these guys just knocking yeah. the, the hell out of each other. Like, because, you know, Bob Holly's gimmick, if that's what you want to call it, is 
was just beating up the new guys. Yeah, I mean, it would have been better. Because that's why, well, we'll get to the next match, because I had an idea about the next match. I kind of did some fantasy booking myself whilst I was bored watching this. Uh, we see the bit where Sabu is on a stretcher, he's getting put into an ambulance. Crowd are just booing the shit out of this. RVD and Punk are there for some reason. Punk looks like he doesn't know why he's there. <laughs> he just keeps going, oh, is he going to be okay? It's like, I feel like someone just grabbed him and went, get on camera. He's like, what's yeah. Punk's affiliation with Sabu? <laughs> They're all faces and all faces are friends. That's very logic. And just the shittest idea possible um but getting to any well i don't know if it was a shittest idea or not but out comes davari sean davari and the great carly uh he cuts a promo i don't know what he said because he said it in whatever his language is i don't want to pick one in case i'm wrong um sorry go on i don't want to read too much into this but i remember around this time, I believe the members of the roster, they didn't want to call them superstars because that was WWE, they wanted to have this, create this new identity, so... Oh, extremists. They called it the ECW yeah. guys, ECW extremists. And then, by it coincidence, they, they had managed to draft <laughs> Davari over to... Yeah. And, like, he's, he's... I remember watching this preview, I wasn't... I was already not enjoying myself because it was clear that the opening tag match was going to be the high point. Then a few matches, then I hear Davari's music. I go, oh god, my evening can only go up from here. But I seen this clip. Uh, it was OSW that reviewed this, and I was watching their review of it because I needed to laugh at something after watching this show. But and then they play this clip of apparently Davari's music when he went to TNA, and his no shitting you, his TNA music literally opens with the sound of an airplane and then a crashing sound. Oh my god. This is in 2009, by the way. Oh, my God. That's awful. Christ. Please, please go and tell us what your fantasy thing was. We need some light here. I think I may have brought this show down a bit. I think, like, basically, um, Davari faces Tommy Dreamer. He gets a nice pop. Carly gets chucked out at one point, And then Davari wins with a roll-up after taking Dreamer's turnbuckle dropkick. Um, and then he goes for the DDT and he rolls him up and he wins and everyone goes fucking apeshit. Um, Dreamer goes up the ramp, Carly comes from the outside, grabs him, choke bombs him on the stage and everyone acts like Dreamer got shot in the head. Um, <laughs> my idea would have been if Carly could work, I don't know if he was injured because I know he was injured a lot of the time, why not just have an extreme rules match? Just have Dreamer against Carly for like five minutes. It wouldn't have been great, but you would have got to see Dreamer, the ECW guy, put a proper plucky fight up against a giant. Seen <laughs> some weapon shots at this point. You could have Dreamer could have lost to Carly, and no one would have cared. But Dreamer losing to Sean Davari, who is about half a foot shorter than Tommy Dreamer and about what 160, 170 pounds, and Dreamer's like what six three, two fifty, two sixty, and he just loses to a roll up. Yeah. After going for a DDT. Like, barely, why not? They barely have hold of the tights either. Yeah, if you wanted Dreamer to lose, why not have him face Carly and just have it in a weapons match? And we could have got to see what. Because they can't even say, oh, they were saving the weapons for the main event. Because they hardly used any fucking weapons. Like <laughs> They used, like, none of them. I think the reason Kelly did very little on this is because like, the ring was already on the wall because 
uh, he's meant to have that match with Taker, Great American Bash in the Punjabi prison. He gets pulled from that. They were meant to have a rematch at SummerSlam, and they thought, we're not having this thing. They're not having TV instead. Yeah, because we're not having this thing off our card. And they're like, screw it. We're not having you on one of our main shows. Get her to the C show. Well, why not have a five, six minute ex- Davari v. Tommy Dreamer in a hardcore match and then have Carly come out from the crowd or something and choke bomb Dreamer through the announce table for the win? Because then he would have had to lifted his leg over the barricades and like, walking <laughs> well, is hard ste- enough for. He stepped up onto the apron and then stepped over the rope. He did it in his entrance. He could have easily done that. Or just just anything. Just How about just someone else who hates Tommy Dreamer? Why not just anyone? Well, Vince clearly hates Tommy Dreamer. That's why he picked him in this bloody match. Yeah, but this was bad. Um, the choke bomb on the stage, it looked, it looked brutal, but they acted like the guy had just been thrown 16 feet off a hell in a cell through an announcer's table. Yeah. And... It just, nah, crap. Mm. They lingered on him for about three or four minutes, and then he stood up and blah, blah, blah. Um, backstage, we see Paul Heyman walk up to Hardcore Holly, who's already in his gear, even though he wasn't booked on the show. Because we know he wasn't booked on the show, because he's only just now in this segment getting a match. But apparently he's a full gear, a full kit wanker, as they call it in football over here. Right. And... I mean... In the world of KFA, it just makes Pop look sad that he just hangs around shows he's not booked on in his gear just in case. Yeah, it really does. But he had his wrist tape on, his gear was all on. Uh, Heyman walks up to him and says, oh, I've been thinking long and hard about who should replace Sabu, Kraut Boo, like shit. <laughs> because they've pretty much just been told in this segment, no, you ain't seen Sabu, guys. And um, welcome to ECW. Uh, you're going to get Bob Holly. You're going to get Spark Plug himself. And Bob Holly is now in the Elimination Chamber. And they mentioned on uh, on the, in the main event that Heyman wanted uh, Holly in this match. He had an open contract, but before Holly could sign it, Bobby Lashley signed it. So, like, they said, at least they had some grounds that like, he was meant to be in the match. But then, like, why is he? Why did he still show up to the show if he was no longer maybe in the chamber originally? Yeah, I mean, why has he, why has he got all his gear on? Did he just turn up wearing his Harker Holly gear? Mm. Um, the next match is a mixed tag match as Mike Knox and Kelly Kelly make their entrance. Uh, yeah, they're going to be facing the... Oh no, so before that, the storyline is that Mike Knox is apparently a controlling boyfriend, but also Kelly Kelly fancies CM Punk, so she and very openly fancies CM Punk. Yes. So like, Mike Knox is apparently they keep calling him jealous, but I'm like, is it jealous if you know and you're meant to be their boyfriend? Yeah, I mean, and then she tries to subtly uh, wish CM Punk luck <laughs> subtly by using a microphone. <laughs> Subtly by she did subtly take the microphone, but she subtly took a light a live microphone, sorry, that broadcasts out loud to the arena. <laughs> and it's like, oh. I just want to wish CM Punk luck, which got a CM Punk chart chant, chant mm. which since I'm in twenty nineteen, hearing a CM Punk chant makes me really sad. <laughs> Not because he's gone, but because it's been five fucking years. <laughs> and I mean, people still do it. <laughs> I gotta wonder like 
he's up on the uh, the turnbuckle on the opposite end of the ring when she's doing like how how long does she think this ring is like does she think he's out of reach you won't hear me when I've got this live microphone and also she's maybe 19 I believe that was legit like Mike Knox you look at him he's at least 30 at least by looking at him how is he with her yeah, like she's really young. I think I saw someone say on Twitter, like she's she's the same age as Becky Lynch, mm-hmm. or something. I think someone said. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, and I can't be asked to Google it. But they're going to be facing a mixed tag action. By the way, the commentary kept saying as well that Kelly Kelly isn't a wrestler, so this is going to go really well. <laughs> they're facing the vampiric duo of Kevin Fawn or Mordecai. If you remember those few weeks of 2004, I do remember. Uh, and Ariel, who I don't know, really know anything about, uh, in mixed tag action, uh, they're they just act like they're apparently they're followers of vampirism. So, yeah, uh, Mike Knox and Kevin Fawn have they're two huge men, so they just have a back and forth punching match for a wee bit. And then Ariel tags in, Mike Knox tags in Kelly Kelly. It becomes quickly apparent that Kelly Kelly can't wrestle. And it becomes very apparent that, to be fair, Ariel didn't look too bad. She looked like she could wrestle. I felt a bit sorry for her because <laughs> she was trying really hard. Um, then Mike Knox walked off when Kelly Kelly went for the tag back and he abandoned her. And then the match was over because Ariel won. After I can't STO. I think she won with an STO. She lightly pushed her what looked like, and then she sat on her basically her arse right in Kelly's face. Yeah, yeah, and they won. Like, oh, this is really. I don't well, have anything to say. I I really did not like this because like Mike Knox is maybe the jealous boyfriend, so obviously he's a heel and Kelly's a face. But then the way uh, Ariel and Thorn were. We're booked in this. They were also heels. So who are we meant to root for in this match? Yeah, I wrote that down as well. I just wrote who's the bad people. Because even then, with Knox being the jail's boyfriend, he abandons Kelly, and the commentator like, "Oh, this is how she repays, he repays Kelly." Like, you just openly said like she's fancies someone else. Like, he's clearly thinking like, "I'm in a relationship with somebody who's no longer interested in me; he's interested in someone else." So he probably was was within his right to break it off. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really get the storyline because obviously people were cheering for Kelly Kelly and they were cheering for her for obvious reasons because she <laughs> looks nice and her whole gimmick originally started was that she'd stand on the stage and do like a strip show where she wouldn't strip down to when she's completely naked, but like she would basically strip off down to her underwear and dance around. That was her original thing. So everyone loves her, obviously, because <laughs> wrestling fans and. Um, and she got put in the ring with, I'm going to presume, minimal training. And, like, I don't know. She was put in a bad spot, to be fair to her. Then, um, then to what you were all waiting for, Nathan, we did get a weapon swap following this match. Yes, and over an hour into an ECW pay-per-view with an hour left, out comes the Sandman for some reason, after Kevin Fawn and Ariel won. He does his usual shtick of hitting beer off his head, uh, gets in the ring and just starts beating up Kevin Fulham with a kendo stick. He cuts himself open before he gets to the ring, commonly known as the Bill Goldberg. 
Yeah, and like we even think about it with Sandman, like you really couldn't expect much else from him on this show other than to just do a run and beat someone up with a candlestick. That was really his thing. I don't, I don't know. We'll get to it when we get to the Extreme Elimination Chamber because I had an idea for the Extreme Elimination Chamber that would have been better. Um, it's a cool moment for the crowd who were, I'm gonna, they were probably struggling. Just they, yeah. I don't know. A lot of them had probably had existential crises at this point. Yeah, probably looked looked at the price of their ticket and just gone, well, why? I could, have, I, mean, I could have bought a load of heroin instead. <laughs> Like yeah. just anything like i could have just bought anything by now like in, i don't know i could have bought two crates of beer bought a dvd of scarface and a load of blow and okay. just had a really nice night by myself instead i'm watching kevin fucking fawn punch yeah. mike knox i mean something i'm randomly thinking there like also i also think al snow and justin Greer were also on the roster like where were they <laughs> on this show, at least there, ECW, like, because basically all we've got here is basically, here's someone from ECW, here's someone who W wants to put on ECW, and the new person is going to squash the person you actually like, like, even if, like, Al Snow or Justin Grell get squashed, like, there's, really, they've not got a lot of credibility, that's really what they did for most of their career, whereas Tommy Dreamer just getting jobbed out to Ari Devar, like, why is Dreamer not in the, in the elimination chamber, like, if you want a face in the elimination chamber, like, the purest face ECW ever had was Tommy Dreamer. Yeah, and I doubt people listening care about this show, so I'll just jump straight into it now. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't get the lineup for the Extreme Elimination Chamber. Like, if Sabu had injury problems, why is the logic not to replace him with another ECW original? Why is the logic to replace, it, to replace him with, what, Attitude Era tag team guy and perennial lower card guy, Hardcore Holly? Mm-hmm. Like he's a he's a good performer. He can put on a good match because he had he had a good street fight on ECW TV or WWE ECW TV with with RVD. He had a great street fight, but like he he's not a main event of a pay per view guy. Like no offense to him, you know, but phew. you know apparently according to Holly's book, I friend this out on uh, Bruce Pritchard's podcast. Apparently, Holly claims that. The Omega spot and the Battle for the Billionaires uh, match against Lashley was meant to be his. There was even a, allegedly there was plans for him to win the ECW title from Lashley. But like, I'd rather him as ECW champion. He looks he's got hardcore in him rather than Vince winning the title, which he would eventually do. Yeah, I'd rather Vince won a title, the main title, than Hardcore Holly. <laughs> like, uh, like, I mean. Oh. Let's let's bring it let's bring it back. Me go back through the feed and you'll find a, a show called Saving Careers, and that's where <laughs> myself and my good friend Ben, also of Rogue Opinions, we save some actors' career. But Bob, I'm just going to reach out to you, buddy. Um, I like you. you when you did all your stuff with Crash. That was real funny when you were carrying weights to the ring, literal weight scales, not actual weights. That was real good, man. And you did that cool thing where you fucked up the entire um, hardcore battle royal of WrestleMania 2000 or 17, whichever one it was. That was really nice. <laughs> um, you remember when you beat up Matt Capitelli? That was real cool. Real cool stuff, Bob. And uh, the start of that Royal Rumble where you just hazed Daniel Pewter with uh, Benoit and Guerrero. 
you did some real cool stuff and you broke your neck that time where you sandbagged Brock and then said you didn't, but everyone saw it because it was on film. Um, man, you ain't world champion, man. No offense. Um, you're great. I know you're doing a lot of hunting these days. You're on Austin's podcast and you're going to try and do that hunting show where you disappear into the woods and people have to try and find you. I can't remember what it's called now. He's alone, alone. And I don't know, man, alone. It seems to match up with you. Jesus maybe just, Christ. maybe just, maybe just, um, stop making stuff up. <laughs> you weren't going to be world champion, right. um, like ever, really. Like, but you're really good at performing, and but you also, I don't know. Can I just jump in here before I get any more depressed with Nathan's opinions on Paul Pauly? Jesus Christ, like. Uh, not to give something away that I was going to mention on Smackdown, but I need to bring some light back to this show. Uh, on the next Smackdown that me and Jimmy are going to be doing for the Retro Smackdown review, it's episode three. I was watching a bit of the Raw from the Raw before it, and there's a same. There was a match between the Hardys and and the Hollies, and the Hollies are brought out their big scale, and they want to weigh the Hardys to make sure they're also super heavyweights, but also they don't match the requirements. And then there was Karen Grill at the time. Paul Paul just says they. Take Gangrel. Hey, Dracula, what about you? You fat bastard. Why don't you get up on the scale? Uh, if you thought Gangrel was fat, then you should see him now. But, but seriously, Bob, I know you don't really wrestle much these days because I heard you say it, but just stop making stuff up. Like, there were no. You're the guy who famously said, oh, well, blah, blah, why don't you make me world champion? To. Brian Gewurz when he was in Wrestler's Court. Just just shut up, man. And stop being a dick on Twitter. I see you being a dick to people. Just chill, man. Well, we can add Paul Pollard to the list of people that block Nathan. Yeah. In fact, yeah, fuck you. Hashtag <laughs> fuck Bob Holly. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd never... I wish I'd get my mouth shut at Bob Holly now. Uh, he was actually good in the chamber, and I wrote something nice about him in my notes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Bob, stay, Bob, if you're listening, stay tuned because I'm gonna, I'm gonna compliment you, but not yet because coming up next, oh, I've lost my place. Oh, Bobby Lashley did a thing. Oh yeah, who was the fuck was that interviewer? I have no idea. I've already forgotten. Good forgot God, did she escape from the set of iRobot? Because my God. Like, someone needs to spray some WD-40 on her because, Jesus Christ, she had no personality. <laughs> she literally asked a question like, Scott, how do you think the podcast is going? Very depressing, anyway. <laughs> oh, wow. That's great. <laughs> like, you, would you like to do the Windows update now or postpone it to another time? <laughs> she was... God, but yeah, Bobby Lashley. Trouble is, he also he, he's not great at speaking. I mean, uh, especially now because he was like twelve. He looks exactly the same now as he did the year. Yeah, he's he's aged well. Um, and to me, his Extreme Rules match with Strowman just recent that was awesome. That was my favorite match of the night. I thought he, that was brilliantly done. I I was still. I really couldn't enjoy that match because I was still annoyed with the fact I had to review this show and watch it 
and then Bobby Lashley popped up to almost haunt me. Haunt me like as a reminder of what I've got to watch. Like, leave me alone, Bobby. Stop haunting me. Scott, we're we're here. We're at the main event. We uh-huh. did it. We we did it. Um, Paul Heyman comes out flanked by his um, two police enforcers or whatever they are. I can't remember what they were now. But there were just two people in like riot gear and face masks. You couldn't see them. Um, he runs down the rules of an elimination chamber because no one's ever seen one at this point, um, which is a lie. The first one was seven years before this. <laughs> so why he's running down the... And basically what it is, if you've not seen it, it's an elimination chamber, but there's a weapon in each pod. That's all he needed to say. But he babbled on trying to sell it. But it's like, it's too late, Paul. You can't sell something that's live. Trying to fill time. Yeah, they were trying to fill time for one reason. And that's because when people bought this pay-per-view, apparently it was advertised as three hours. And it's not not three hours. (laughs) Bell for the chamber, once everybody's in there, the first two people are in, and the bell rings, I looked at my network, one hour 47 when the bell rings. And the mat and the show ends at two fourteen. Yeah. So apparently you got about apparently on the pay per view feed you got about two hours five. Some people were saying when I googled. So I don't know if they've I don't know if that's true and if they've added some stuff for some reason. But a load of people were saying oh it was about two hours five minutes long. Remember some persons one person writing on a on a forum post saying yeah they bought it for forty dollars it started at eight and was over by five past ten. And I was like, so I don't know if they've just got that wrong because it is two hours 14 on a network. So I'm not going to say that's true. But even still, it was advertised as a three hour show, apparently. So loads of places paying $40 and it was shown as being 180 minutes. Can you see the shout to this guy in the crowd too? While Paul Heyman said, Paul Heyman's clearly what Vince's opinions have already been fed through Paul Heyman. He said, the days of Sandman and Tommy Dreamer are gone, and it was the era of the global phenomenon of ECW led by your champion, The Big Show, and somebody yelled, who's going to retire next year? Okay, let me add this to you, Scott, because I don't know if you know this. But mm-hmm. they put The Big Show in this match. Two days after this show ended, his contract ended. Alright, I didn't know he, I knew he left, like, for quite a while after this season. Yeah, apparently it's two days off, apparently, and the trouble they had is that, obviously the internet was the thing, apparently everyone knew. So when it got down to Big Show being the final peak, everyone knew he wasn't winning because everyone that was on the internet anytime knew that this was his final pay-per-view and that he left for all that time before he came back, which was just madness to me. Because the original plan, apparently Heyman's original plan was that Punk and Big Show would start and Punk would pin Big Show quickly or would beat Big Show somehow, really would get him out of the match quickly because everyone knew he was leaving. Apparently that was Heyman's original idea. I heard that the idea was he would like choke him out with like the Anaconda Vice very early to help like create entries that there would be a new champion, in which Big Show was apparently on board with. Yeah, yeah, but um, literally two days after his show was gone. So I don't understand this. And um, spot, I, 
The only good, the good thing I'll say about this match is the part where it was RVD, Hardcore Holly, and CM Punk. That yeah. was actually a good part of the match. Like yeah, I thought that was pretty good. good. Like I know you kind of had to suspend belief that even if Bob says so, and Bob, I'm sorry, man, but you weren't winning. That would have been a cool final three. Imagine if they, because they actually had the crowd at the start of this match. The crowd were obviously like fucking finally. Yeah. We can get to the extreme elimination chamber, and the two, the guy that's just been added to the match, Hardcore Holly's gone. CM Punk, who the, who they keep chanting for, is gone. Uh, RVD is then gone. So the final three, a test, who, uh, who he had a suspicious amount of spots on his body. <laughs> Yeah, and they like, got and in HD they really got picked up. <laughs> I mean, I'm watching him on on the retrospect, and he seems like a lovely fellow coming out with Stephanie Manny's long blonde hair. Like, you think, Jesus, man, what happened to you? Um, have you ever seen him in TNA? For yes. His final, final. He looks like he's about to explode. Like yeah. he is. Like um, he's yeah. Yeah. When the, when the when the boys say. He's on the gas. That man was on a lot of gas. Like, like it's almost as if like he was fired for taking steroids, and then yeah. he almost, it's almost like he seemed figuring to like, did he get some extra steroids oh, just for the signing bonus? Like, because he wasn't in he wasn't in TNA for long. But I remember seeing him and just thinking, oh, his skin looked like it was at its limit, <laughs> like before it would tear. He was a gi- he was a giant, and then he wasn't there long, and then unfortunately, he's no longer with us. Because uh, yeah. he was a, he was a genuine he was a genuine talent. Mm-hmm. Like I, I never even mind him during the Attitude Era and everything. Like, I thought it was pretty good. He had a great look. He was a giant guy. They obviously liked him. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a shame. More with him. Yeah, it's a real shame. And um, so, but I just thought it was kind of yeah. He was a he was a very spotty man. <laughs> uh, like I get what you're saying. Like, as the first pod, like the countdown for the first pod, people are chanting CM Punk because they want Punk A B in the match. They get him like they do some cool spots between him and Van Dam because they're the two favourites. He said the crowd are completely on board, but how quickly they lost, they lost the crowd. But also, also they couldn't say just elimination chamber. No, it's an extreme elimination chamber, and the promo package is clips from what's been happening on ECW the past couple of weeks, and then. Place in with footage of other elimination chambers that have happened. So you get Big Show holding up the belt, pictures of the weapons, and then just a random clip of Shawn Michaels in 2002 in the first elimination chamber. Yeah, like you said, no mention of RVD being in that match. Yeah, I don't understand why they just they never made because I, I at a point I didn't listen to all the commentary 100. percent I can't pretend I remember it all, but I was kind of at one point I was listening out. I was thinking, surely they're going to mention it. RVD mm-hmm. was in the... Why is that not a selling point for RVD? Why was that not in his promo? Why was he not... Because he was on about how, oh, he he knows he has to give his body and he has to give his career and the chamber, they're selling the chamber, which I completely understand. Um, in wrestling, you're meant to go over the top. But he never mentioned, I know what it takes to be in a chamber match. And obviously he didn't win that chamber match. In fact, he pretty much fucked it up for himself. Because <laughs> he, like... The, I don't know if he legitimately injured himself, but he certainly injured Triple H. And um, but why was it not a point to say? Because they always sell it. They always say it in Hell in a Cells when it's like Taker yeah. or Kane 
or Roman Reigns for mod, more modern day stuff or Seth Rollins or when Dean Ambrose was there, they always make a point of being like, oh, he's been here before. He knows what it takes. He knows how much it hurts. But I just thought that was weird. Um, there was a weird botch on Hardcore Holly's elimination, <laughs> which it looked like Bob kicked out. Yeah. Which, yeah. which Bob? I know I've really laid into you, but come on, man. You were obviously trying to kick out on the free and make keeping yourself strong brother but yeah. like i'm not going it with you, the big you, you kicked it you kicked out too early um and you legit you kicked out with like two and a half man and you should know what you're doing by this point because you're always one of those people that like to keep themselves strong and you know haze the new guys and uh you just made yourself look like a prick hashtag fuck you bob but like the big show looking at him here like there's no wonder he came out last when you look at him like is this possibly the fattest he's ever been because the ECW uh, yeah it, it is I've heard him talk about it before he said he was about 240 he was about 540 pounds Jesus, like the title looked like he just went to the merch stand and grabbed a replica compared to like the size of him it didn't fit around his waist I know like yeah he was a he was a giant man because he was on uh, it was either Jericho's or Austin's pod, but after he's been on, because you, we know he's now a lean, ripped rip to shreds giant. Yeah. And he was talking about it. And he said, yeah, during his ECW run, he was about five hundred and forty pounds at his heaviest. Um, I think that's right. He was definitely over five hundred, and he said, yeah, the belts wouldn't fit around him. Mm. Like, um, but but he, he also said that was his thing that he just had fun being the big show and being the biggest guy. Which, fair enough to him, because he made a whole career out of it. And luckily, he's kind of slimmed down, because um, being that heavy at any size, that's not good for you. Yeah. I thought would have been better in in the big show kind of role, like the hand-picked guy to take the belt and be like Heyman's guy. I think if if he hadn't had the issues that he had at the time and hadn't left... Uh, I really think Kurt Angle is the intense like wrestler, and the big show yeah, and big show's role. Like, having him take the belt favor of Van Dam when he had to come out because the way they did the finish of Heyman turning heel and screwing Van Dam because he had to be suspended for uh, being pulled over with Sabu and that. Like it just seemed like when they did the thing with Heyman and Big Show, it felt like they were repeating the the Survivor Series two spot with Lesnar. Yeah. When, yeah, I've actually got that down in my notes because I made I made notes of kind of because uh, we were talking obviously privately before the podcast, but I said I didn't just want to shit on all the performers other than Bob Holly and um, uh, about this because they were kind of re- they were, this show they were really handicapped because they RVD and Sabu obviously when RVD was champion back in July of two thousand six. He got when he was WWE and ECW champion, so the literal face of the company. He gets pulled over, and both of them are just filled to uh, car filled with drugs by all accounts, just filled with weed and whatever else. Um, so then he had the titles taken away of him. You can kind of understand why when December rolls around, Vince McMahon is not going to clear having RVD near the titles again. Yeah, I, I get that because he's the face of the company and he fucked up. He got a chance and he um, pissed it away, basically. Right. Sabu, you obviously said... You, sorry, go on. 
Apparently Vince laughs when he heard what happened because it was mostly weed that he had and Vince kind of laughed like you got caught with weed and but then he said he had to be seen to like do something about it. Yeah, I, th- I don't know if that's just Vince being kind of nice about because obviously his mug shots were then all over the news. Yeah. And it's just, it's not a good look and you can kind of understand where Vince might laugh but then you kind of realise he's not going, he never did again. RVD yeah. never got like he. I think he when he came back after this run ended, he came back. I think he had a title match with Alberto Del Rio. Yeah, and a couple. And I remember he did apparently. I did a Reddit AMA recently because he's got this documentary coming out. So he's doing his AMA to promote oh, okay. it. And yeah. apparently, once somebody asked him like one of his biggest regrets, he like he said one of his regrets is he didn't have a like a kind of deodorant or something like that in the car with him that day. He maybe masked the smell of weed on his clothes. <laughs> well, like a like a teenager when their mum gets home. <laughs> yeah, she grabs a kind of links Africa, sprays yeah. him and Sabu down. Like that's funny, but um, but uh, but yeah, I I so I can I can get that from Vince's point of view. I don't understand the Big Show being so close to the final two where everyone knew it was leaving. Lashley, my God, is it? When did you hear the reactions to Lashley on his backstage promo and stuff? Like it, it's it's just Roman Reigns esque. Even when he won, yeah. Even even when he won, Lashley won, and um, he was getting booed out the building. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so yeah, my idea was I don't really want to spend too much time on this match. Unless do you have anything to say about the actual match? Well, I say like. Really made good use of the of the weapon. Like the chair and the crowbar came in a couple of times, but the tail was just used to so last you could break out his pod because oh. came skins were you know who the, the two masked guys are? I don't. It was apparently the Basham brothers. Oh really? Yeah. Oh that's interesting. Uh, so basically they tried to hold him and so it would be Big Show and Tess versus try and hold off Lashley so it could be Tess and Big Show versus him. But he used the table just to break out, and the table was never used again. And Big Show gets a couple of swings with the bat, and then gets it caught in the chains. Like, really made good use of those weapons, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, fair play to Test, because when Test got in his pod, he he had the pod with the crowbar in, and he basically he basically didn't put the crowbar down until RVD, I think, hit him in the head with a chair. <laughs> so credit to him, because he was even doing this. He was doing, RVD got busted open, and then Test was doing a spot where he was like gouging the point into RVD's oh, yeah, uh, cut, which looked really good. I'm presuming he didn't touch him because obviously mm-hmm. they know what they're doing, but like it looked brutal, so credit to Test. Can you um, imagine putting Big Show at the size he was in with that table? He'd never get him back out again. I'm surprised he fit in the pod because he really, he was he was confined. Um, other cool spots again, to be honest, Test was kind of the MVP when I think about it. The elbow off the top of the pod. Yeah. Uh, to eliminate RVD, I thought that was really cool. Um, Lashley is just, if you don't want to watch this show or anything, Lashley was booked like Roman Reigns is now. Um, he was just, he just came out, dominated, pinned test, destroyed Big Show pretty much. Uh, destroyed a fresh Big Show who didn't come out until Lashley was the last person left and Lashley had to deal with test. And then Lashley just destroyed Big Show basically. Other than, like Big Show nearly got a choke slam on him, but that was about it. Um, my idea for this would have been 
I would have had Big Show in it because, unfortunately, with Kurt Angle's issues, and if you've said about Sabu attitude backstage, I would have kept Big Show in just because he's him and RVD were kind of the biggest names on the show. Mm-hmm. Like, unless you're an e- if you're an ECW person, you can say, "Oh, Tommy Dreamer" or Sandman. But when we're looking at kind of wrestling as a whole and kind of mainstream, um, Big Show and RVD are the biggest names on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, have CM Punk in there, but why not Chuck Dreamer in there? I know. And I know Test was part of the story, so he kind of needs to be in it. So you just need a sixth person. And um, I mean, why not, why not Chuck Sandman in there just for fun? Yeah. If you want to do an ECW Extreme Elimination Chamber or someone else that you're trying to build, like, I don't know why it needs to be seriously. Like, oh, I have my phone. I don't. Why Hardcore Holly? There's literally no one else left. <laughs> like, you see how weirdly quick like, the speed in which Punk, Holly, and then RVD are all eliminated. Like, if you're just going to go through your elimination so quickly, like, having basically put. A Sandman basically have him be the third entrant instead of Punk, and have him go after just a few tiers after a few like candlestick spots. Like have him basically, as they say, get his shit in, and then get him out. Yeah, you could have had RVD and like Dreamer start the match, have a good back and forth, and then Sandman be the third person, and he comes out with the kendo stick. Mm-hmm. That would have got a pop from the crowd. Yeah, the crowd would have loved that to see Sandman come out. He starts swinging for the fences. He gets a little bit of offense in, and then, I don't know, Dreamer and RVD work together to eliminate him. A DDT and a five-star frog splash, and he's gone. Yeah. And then they could have just dealt with the rest, and then you could have had Big Show come out. Or you could have had Sandman come out, survive the five minutes, then Big Show comes out, and all three of them work together to get rid of Big Show. Because Big Show, if Big Show's leaving, he can come out, be the giant for a minute, and then get three guys beat the piss out of him, and he gets eliminated. Because we don't, why have him featured if he's going in forty-eight hours? Just use his name value. Just use his name value, and then get him out there. He's in the main event, but these guys who are staying, who you're going to see every week, um, are going to eliminate him because we're not going to see him for the better part of a year, eighteen months, or however long he was gone for. I think he came back, uh, don't we, out 2008, it was in like February, so, and then they immediately built that, uh, started building this match with Mayweather, the boxer v wrestler. Oh, match. yeah. Okay, well, even still, like, why haven't so featured when everyone everyone that ever that went online knows he's not, no chance of winning and neither of them are ECW people? Maybe they thought he was he would resign. There was like maybe they thought there was still a hope he would resign. But basically, we've yeah. been spent the last ten or so minutes basically saying they could have done this, they could have done that. It really goes to show we've not talked a lot about the actual finish because it just tells you how bad it was because we've been saying about how they could have done so much different stuff. Yeah. Like uh, even if even if Flashley won, he's got that arm uh, amateur background. He's clearly in good shape. If it came to Lashley versus Angle, Angle could have made him look like a star. He could, I think Angle is the kind of guy he could have helped like Lashley win over the crowd. And that if it came down to those two, yeah, I think the trouble, trouble we got is like Angle is unfortunately one they can't control because mm. he, in it to his own admission, he refused to sort himself out. 
yeah. and they kind of had no choice but to kind of cut ties with him for was it like oh, 12 years mm-hmm. and um until he would sort himself out luckily um for everyone so i just i just don't know but um I mean, we've spoken about this show. I think we've fulfilled our punishment at this point. Yeah. So what would you give this show as a rating? I don't know. I'm used to I'm used to thumbs here, but like that's why I first day, like, did you see the amount of pyro they gave Bobby Lashley at the end? Like it's like yeah. they forgot about how much pyro they had, so they had to blow through the budget all in the one like it was so loud you could even hear Joy Styles signing off the show. And also, I heard apparently that once it went off air, that's when the crowd really got angry with like the re- refunds chance because the pay per view ended 40 minutes early. Yeah. Um, so, is that what you're going to give to show? You're going to give to show a crowd chanting for refunds as your rating? Well, I didn't really pay for it, thankfully, because, but uh, I don't know. I think a three is as high as I can go, even with the Hardy match at a 10, midline to down. If, if we're doing yeah. thumbs here, like it's not a good show at all. Yeah, I'm gonna give this show. You bought a sandwich from Tesco's. You put it in your bag, like your work, whatever sort of bag or briefcase you take to work. Um, you didn't get to eat lunch that day, and you forgot it was in your bag. But then you had a week off, so you didn't touch your bag. And then, so it, I'm going to give this show the first day back at work and you realised you left a chicken sandwich in your bag for an entire week. Yeah, see, I'm really loving these food-related ratings that you've started doing. Like, I love the one Extreme <laughs> Rules. <laughs> what, going to McDonald's and they don't have Big Macs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so I'm going to give it a chicken sandwich that you accidentally left in your bag for a week. Fair enough. Um, but that'll be us done because, yeah, we're done. Um, <laughs> check check back through the feed, listen to some good podcasts like Kayfabe Court, Doctor Who, uh, the retro, the Rogue Retro Smackdown reviews with Scott and Jimmy, who have decided to go back through all of Smackdown starting from 1999. You've got the Life is Strange series with me and Carl. You've got the Naked Men podcast with myself and Ben and all sorts of other stuff so go check that all out uh you can find us as always at rogue underscore opinion you can find us on medium if you like your written articles head over to there uh the link is on our twitter and you can find uh some written pieces from anthony fitzpatrick uh he's got some more stuff to come as well and instagram as well rogue underscore opinion scott where can people find you yeah, you can find me at Scott McLeod nineteen eighty six. Uh, you can find my other podcasts, Scott and Paul's Rallon podcast on Twitter, and all the links uh, at SP Rambling. And like I said, like uh, Nathan said, me and Jimmy do the Rogue Retro Smackdown review, and like I thought it wasn't bad enough we had to do this show in a few weeks. We're also going to be doing the pay reviews, which includes Unforgiven and the often panned, rightfully so, kind of from Hell match, uh, and also if you want an example of a great podcast then go back and listen to our creator wrestler because like yeah it's probably the best one of the, some of the best work we've done since starting this yeah if you want to listen to us be good at podcasting <laughs> that's the show to go for uh you can find me at nathan greenaway and that'll be us dumb guy thank you very much for listening bye now see ya
I hurt myself today To see if I still feel I focus on the pain The only thing that's real The needle tears a hole The old familiar sting Try to kill it all away